Hi guys and welcome to today's podcast where I have finally been able to get Christina Azarenko on the show. So um, I have um, seen you um, from a distance. Christina followed some of your stuff, obviously tried to get you in the podcast a few weeks ago, which I had to reschedule, but we finally, finally get to um, do it. Um, so great to have you here. Um, and uh Hey, so, everyone. <laughs> for the audience, so if any, I know you're doing a lot of speaking and you're um, relatively well known in the in the community, but for anyone who maybe isn't aware of what you do, give us a brief background of what you have done and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. Um, so I've been in the SEO industry for like 10 years. Um, the last uh, two years, I mostly do just consulting because before I used to work with agencies in-house. I do consulting and I also do teaching um, because I feel that there's so much mis misinformation now in the industry. So uh, I call my course a no BS uh, SEO, kind of no, no BS SEO uh, because, yeah, there actually is lots of uh, lots of misinformation, and um, I work with uh, small and medium companies, mostly e-commerce, mm -hmm. um, and I help them to implement SEO in the e-commerce environment, and also help them with migrations and uh, technical SEO. And um, for some of you who might have seen me, you might have seen me on such events as Google um, Central Live um, event and uh, Brighton, some Brighton SEO talks uh, on search engine land and yeah, some other <laughs> events, or I'm part of Women in Tech SEO. So if you're a woman, you... I think you uh, could have seen me there. Um, yeah, so this is me, and I'm really happy to be here. It's a pleasure, pleasure to have you. And uh, as I say, good job on um, the recent stuff that you've been doing, because I do see you becoming more and more prominent as a speaker um, everywhere, including the the Google thing you just mentioned. I'm like, whoa, that's that's you know decent getting yourself in there. So um, it's not easy. It's so well done on that. Um, yeah. So becoming famous in the SEO world, which is always a, a good thing. You must be doing something right. Uh, but where are you based right now, Christina? Uh, I'm based in Toronto, Canada, but I'm originally from Belarus, which is uh, actually on the same continent as you are, Greek. <laughs> Greek. Um, yeah, it's... I just yeah. assumed you were still based in Europe. I had no idea you were in Canada. Um, yeah, so I moved to Canada three years ago, and um, I'm here, I live here now, so. <laughs> yeah, your accent's a bit, um, yeah, it's, it's a weird accent, obviously, uh, the Belarus, but you've got this kind of, yeah, it's hard to tell where you're actually, you know, based. Yeah, exactly, because I don't have, because uh, my accent is kind of, um, kind of non-existent uh, because it's not over, over a particular country. I've learned a lot about phon phonetics and all the stuff. But uh, my ac my um, language, uh, like regional language is Belarusian and Russian. So I could I could talk like this, but I don't talk like this. I don't <laughs> really like uh, how it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's why I'm saying that. I could my accent could sound like this, but it doesn't. So it's kind yeah. of a non-existent an accent of a non-existent place because it's a combination of so many different things. 
Yeah. No, it's 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 nice that you have the skills to also do that. I think many of us are, are lucky if we can speak one language like me. So the fact that you've been able to combine multiple accents and dialogues and everything else is good job. Good job. But <laughs> um yeah, so when you moved to Canada, what was that for work reasons, or did you just decide I'm going to go over here and you know that's a country I like, or was it for a specific job? No, so um, it's it's interesting because from the early childhood I knew that I wanted to move somewhere, and for a long time um, my dream country was the UK actually, and I love London. I've been there. 80 times and I, I still love it <laughs> so uh but it was quite hard to move there as as basically a resident if you don't if you don't have some job offer or something like that and in Canada it was much easier because uh for immigration program so I went through an immigration program with my hobby and we moved here together and we actually started from scratch because when we came here we had to find a place to live from scratch we had to find um work because um if you come as a permanent resident, it doesn't mean that you have a job here uh, already. And um, yeah, we started from scratch. It was not easy, I should say, because um, just moving to another continent, to another country with a different language. Well, I uh, I treat English as my second native language because I I'm with it from uh, my childhood, but still, it's different when you live in another environment where another rules. Everything is different. Um, so yeah, three years ago we started from scratch. I needed to prove myself from from the bottom to, to the top, and uh, it was a journey, I should say. But uh, it's a rewarding journey, and I'm really happy that we uh, that we did it. <laughs> so you basically went over there and probably just started trying to get clients. I'm, I'm assuming you know new clients in a new continent or where you trying to pick up SEO clients from back home. How did your how did no. you money? Um, so when I when I we first came, I uh, first landed a job, and uh, then I didn't like this job and went to another job at an agency. It was good. I worked there for a year and a half, something like that. But I wanted to move on. I wanted to have something else, something more. I wanted to have cont more control over who I work with. Um, so a year and a half ago, I started my consultancy. And I mostly work, which is interesting. I'm, most of my clients are based in the USA, <laughs> uh, not even in Canada. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's still the same continent. But uh, yeah, I mostly work with companies in Canada and USA, um, and uh, this is part. This is part of my business. Interesting. And you mentioned that e-commerce is the kind of vertical that you operate in. Um, just for anyone listening, how different is e-commerce SEO from you know just generally doing like a, a plumber or something like that? Is it that different? And what are the differences yeah so um the principles the basic principles are the same because it's still seo it's still uh it's still google search it's still google index and all the stuff but uh when it comes to e-commerce there are some particular challenges that uh, websites um of this type 
phase. For example, faceted navigation. This is one of the hugest things. And it's actually not only for when you when people think about e-commerce, they mostly think about online stores, but there are also um, kind of aggregators like, um, for example, real estate websites or um, dealership websites. I sometimes work with dealerships as well. So these are e-commerce type websites. So everything uh, when it comes to e-commerce SEO is applicable to them. So uh, faceted nav navigation is a huge issue. Um, and also it's not an issue, it's a challenge, <laughs> which can have issues that can be solved by, by a good SEO, right? Um, there are also things like stock, uh, the stock can be really dynamic. So what do you do when, when products or cars, if you're a dealership, go in and out of stock? How do you handle this? And also um, things like, um, do, you, do you need to have products product options as a separate as a separate pages or not. Um, so it were challenges like that. While, for example, if you work in B2B, if you or uh, as you said, if it's a plumber website, in most of the cases, the website will be quite static. You might add some content like, uh, for example, knowledge base or something like that. But when it comes to services to so the core content is still is still the same. You still provide the same services this year and the next year, most likely uh, like one, one or two services can be different, but most likely everything will be the same. Um, yeah, so e-commerce SEO is more dynamic. E-commerce e type websites are more dynamic and this has its own challenges. So let me give you an example just for the audience. Um, I fully understand what you're saying and why you're doing it, but for the other people out there, they might not still get what you mean. Um, <laughs> so, for example, we're going to take a car dealership. Um, so you've got used cars, a, a, a Jaguar is the, the model, and then we've got a whole bunch of Jaguars on there. So there's a silver Jaguar, you know, it's two years old, it's listed on there, it's been crawled and indexed, and I buy that Jaguar, um, and it's no longer in stock. What is the best practice for you as the website manager to do? do is that page already no follow, no index? Do you allow that to happen, and do you go in and do a redirect? What is your... Like with a website like that, it could be products, it could be a car, it could be anything. What is the best way to handle a situation like that where the content or the inventory is changing all the time? Yeah, so um, it depends. It depends on the on the website, but in most of the cases, the best uh, approach would be, especially if this page still has uh, still has traffic, uh, still has people coming and interested to leave this page at least for a while uh, as normal page and say that, sorry, this product is no longer available, but we have similar products and you can check them out here. So if, for example, you love this car, this model, and you're like, okay, so this particular car is not available or this particular t-shirt, if, if it comes to uh, online stores, is not available, but there are some options that I might actually like even more and can buy them. Versus if you leave the page as uh, 404 and you say it doesn't exist and yeah, bye. <laughs> okay, yeah. bye. Um, not, yeah. Not the best way to, to leave your potential customers sitting with a, a 404 exactly. message. So. Because um, 
because when you um, when you attract attract clients, when you attract people to your website, you still pay for these people. And I'm not saying I'm not saying in the in the sense of okay, it's paid ads. Then when whenever people uh, people click on the ad, you pay for this. Even with SEO, even though it's a it's free traffic, kind of free traffic because it's organic traffic, you still you still put your money into optimizing website right and you need to treat all the people who come to your website as people you paid for because that's actually true whether through social media it doesn't even matter uh these are still there's still efforts behind this and people who are paid for this uh behind this right and if you when you pay for this traffic and then people come to you and they then uh you just say um okay sorry uh but we don't we don't have anything we, for you here, you just wasted this money. Uh, so yeah, it's always a good a good idea to give an alternative if there is something uh, which is missing on the website. Interesting. So out with that, um, you know, we're going to have a lot of people here who are thinking about e-commerce that might want to start a new website and stuff like that. Now, there's so many different options available out there in terms of setting up a, an online store, Shopify. WooCommerce, mm -hmm. Magento, um, and and so on. Now, if someone has just got, uh, you know, less than a hundred products, and they want the best SEO performance, and they want, you know, the best platform to use, mm -hmm. what is the best platform in your opinion? Knowing everything that you know, um, you know, I, I know people say Shopify is amazing. This is just a personal opinion of mine. Shopify's functionality is really good, but you've still got a lot of SEO restrictions, whereas WooCommerce is a bit clunkier, but you've got full control and access to the server and, and everything else to improve site speed and, and any other things. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I know all of these are, are um, questions that I regularly get asked. So what is your favorite for a small business mm -hmm. platform to, to build an e-commerce store on? Yeah, it's um, it definitely it definitely depends on the number of products you sell is, is small, but it also depends on tech saviness of the person who is going to stand behind this. Or, for example, um, if um, an online store owner is not tech savvy, but they are hiring people who are tech savvy, um, this is another angle. So if um, and another thing to consider if this is the case, if you're tech savvy or your your team is tech savvy, I'd say that a better option would be WooCommerce, uh, which is basically WordPress. Um, because um, as you said, it has more control, but it demands it demands more from you. You need to be to understand what you're doing. Um, and only then all this control can be used properly. But um, when it comes to Shopify, it's a it's an amazing platform. And if you are not tech savvy, if you are not going to find uh, a team who are tech savvy who can do all of these um, optimizations and things uh, on the back end, then Shopify is a good platform. They give you so much out of the box, and the um, uh, the problem it's not it's not a problem the challenge that they have is that everything should work for all kinds of shopify stores because they can't have 
uh, custom installations for every online store, right? So that's why it comes with some limitations and it comes with um, uh, limitations like Robust.txt or uh, some site speed issues. But it doesn't mean that you can't be successful on Shopify. So I don't believe when people say, oh, uh, never choose Shopify, you never, you'll, you never, you'll never have good SEO on Shopify. That's not true. Uh, there are SEO challenges there, but uh, there are stores who, which are successful in search results. Um, yeah, so in order, in addition to the size, I would also consider tax saviness. Yeah. And when it comes to Magento, uh, if you, so, um, I worked for a company who produced Magento extensions for five years. So I've been really deep in this industry. And I'd say this is, a, this is a good platform, but for only big stores. And if you have lots of budget, so if you have like 100 products and you don't have huge budget, don't, don't go with Magento. Yeah. Um, some good advice there. One other thing I want to ask you about e-commerce um, so most e-commerce providers get their product descriptions, pictures and everything else from a supplier list in a lot of cases, and they are uploading that to the Shopify, the WooCommerce or whatever it might be. When So in the situation uh, where your inventory changes a lot and the prices change a lot and you're reliant on uploading that to your shopping cart and um, you know if you do any seo to those product pages then it's going to be overwritten all the time so how would you address that you know if you've got someone that's got so i'll give you an example i once had a client who had stationary products on an e-commerce store now he had twenty thousand products on the mm -hmm. store and every week those prices would fluctuate so every week he would upload a new csv file which basically over overwrit everything that we added to any product descriptions is that still a problem or is there a way to to stop that from happening in the back end of e-commerce websites um i honestly didn't have clients like that who needed to override everything but when you were asking this i thought also about one more thing so when it comes to e-commerce okay there are product pages but in many cases the pages the landing pages where people um where people land from google search results in most of the cases these these are going to be category pages because you said about stationary okay through specific pans I I don't think that these pans are that specific that uh, the majority of the traffic will go to uh, one particular product page, uh, product page of a pan, right? Or a notebook or something. So uh, when it comes to this, do what you can do. If it's overridden all the time, well, there is there are no many things that you can do. But when it comes to categories, make sure that the categories are optimized properly because um, they will be they will, will have a huge part in the into generating traffic for your website. And if you make them as granular as possible uh, and have the right intent on them, like for example, black pans or red pans, uh, something like that, right? More long tail keywords, 
then it will be better because you, you you just can't spend all the time chasing these changes with products. So you can just um, you can just step back and optimize category pages first. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So for you, probably with a website like that, optimizing your category pages would be the first thing you would do before it will make the, those your pillar pages, so to speak. Um, yeah. I think would be a good idea. Um, but moving away from you know the generic newbie um, e-commerce questions, um, you you mentioned prior to us coming live that there's so much misinformation that goes on in this industry is in general, not just around e-commerce SEO. Um, and you mentioned that you have um, an ebook that can educate people on the different parts of e-commerce SEO that, that's really important to, to get a hold of. Um, you also mentioned that you have a course um, that has people in it, and obviously there's a waiting list. You only open it up three times a year. So if someone's listening to this going, right, Christina, you know, she's answered the basic questions, right? She sounds like she knows what she's talking about and they want to see more of what you suggest, what is this ebook and how does someone get a hold of it? Yeah, so uh, when it comes to e-commerce SEO, the ebook, if you want to jump into e-commerce, uh, the ebook is the best is the best step. Um, it requires some prior SEO knowledge, but even basic knowledge is enough. Um, and it's called uh, e-commerce SEO mastery. And if you go to my Twitter profile, which is Azarchik, A-Z-A-R-C-H-I-C-K, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's right here. <laughs> it's, um, in the, it's my, it's in my bio. So, um, the link is in my bio and it's not, it's, you will you will get it for a fraction of what it actually of the value that you get and there are also things like um bonuses like how do you handle seasonal pages because this is a huge part of e-commerce as well um how do you handle seasonal pages how do you how do you do those promotions in terms of uh, in terms of seo um so yeah check it out yeah check that out on Christina's Twitter bio, um, you will get the link to that. But also that course you mentioned um, that you open up three times a year. There's a waiting list for that. What's in that course? What what can people expect if they jump on that waiting list? What kind of yeah, yeah. So um, the course is called SEO Challenge Course, and it lasts forty five days. Um, forty five days is like the harder the hardest work is. In, is in these 45 days and mm -hmm. after that you have time to catch up to make sure that you've done every uh, you've completed everything but basically it's a i'd say it's a boot camp or accelerator because on the one hand as i said there is lots of misinformation and i wanted to give a clear structure without any distractions of what you need to know to be a good uh, professional seo and it's not about specific uh specific niche it's not about e-commerce it's not about b2b it's just um how you can be good as an seo what you need to know uh, and it goes from from the beginning till the end. And the technical part, since I love technical SEO, the technical part is the 
biggest part there. And um, yeah, people get all the all the um, uh, all the lectures, homework, which is hands on, and I know my students love it uh, because they actually practice it. Because again, many courses are very theoretical, um, but they can actually practice it. And we also have live calls because I find that um, when I go through many courses in other spheres, right? I have questions, but I can't ask them anywhere. Uh, so that's why I have live calls in my course so that people can come and ask questions uh, regarding whatever they are interested in in SEO. <laughs> well, it's not yeah. just e-commerce. So if anyone wants to just learn basic SEO, that, that's a perfect place for them to come as well. Yeah, so I wouldn't say just basic SEO because... Um, I have many people who've been in SEO for like a couple of years and they still find it valuable. Uh, and I, I, in this recent cohort, I even have a person from Google, not search <laughs> department, but yeah, for people from different places. And then sometimes I'm like, oh my God, how, how did it happen? They're so cool, they're so amazing. And the aggregate experience and um, knowledge that my students have Oh my god, this is this is just crazy. <laughs> it sounds interesting. So, how if someone wants to get involved in that particular course, where do they go? Where can we find that? Yeah, uh, if you go to seochallenge.co, um, you will find it, and it's a navigation. It's in the navigation, and it says SEO Challenge. Uh, but when you la land on the seochallenge.co, you will also see. Um, uh, a list of 23 or 24 updated core SEO skills. So yeah, if you just want to see where you stand uh, in terms of SEO or where, where can you improve, uh, it's a good place um, as well. You can just check. Check that out. Yeah, take the skills. It sounds very good. I think uh, the fact that you're utilizing other people um, you know, maybe from not maybe the Google search team, but just other people from Google um, is a great way to to deliver content to people. So um, it sounds awesome. So you you mentioned that it only opens a few times a year. When is the next intake of people for that course? Yeah. So uh, the next <laughs> is going to happen either in in june or in october i know the timeline is pretty big uh, but yeah i will see because i have some other things coming that might also be interested interesting but when people subscribe to the waitlist or when they get the checklist they still get emails from me with free seo tips um so yeah if you if you subscribe you'll still have some you'll still get value till uh the uh doors to the seo challenge open Excellent, excellent. So after after <coughs> we've spoken about e-commerce and the courses, you do a lot of consultancy now, which you've said that you've done your done your time in agencies, you've done uh, client work and everything, uh, and you now offer consultancy. What is your typical day like? You know, when someone jumps on a call with you for consultancy, you know what what are you doing? Are you giving them a roadmap or, or how does it work? Just just for anyone out there struggling with e-commerce, what does an e-commerce consultant do? Um, how can you help a business? Yeah, so um, my main thing is 
is mostly in technical part. So I work in on more kind of difficult projects. For example, I work with one content management system, which is uh, which is for dealerships, and um, I guide all the SEO. All, all the SEO things that they need to have. I write all the guidelines and recommendations and talk to developers. Um, so I'm more on the technical part of this versus um, versus saying, oh, like this is this is the roadmap. Uh, this is the way that you need to go. And I do this sometimes as well, but I'm more I'm still more on the technical side. And I also help with migrations um, where I also check everything and write um, all the, not recommendations, but all the requirements in the form of user stories. I don't know if people are familiar with it, with user stories, um, but yeah, all the requirements that should happen in order for migration to happen really good, like not losing, um, not losing traffic. So you mentioned user stories there. For, yeah. so, for someone, a dummy like me, what the hell is that? I have no clue. Yeah, so um, a user story is, a user story is kind of a requirement and it's, it's used in agile environments. So basically when everybody needs to understand what's going on and it can talk to, um, uh, to managers and it can talk to developers as well. And the end goal, because these are technical user stories, the end goal is to make sure that developers understand what they are and how things should be implemented because you don't want to just say oh uh do this and then somebody else need to inside of the company needs to reward and explain this to developers this is not a good idea so um a user stories stories basically um follows this structure as a as a particular type of users for example as a an seo manager i want and then uh, the outcome that you want to achieve. So that, and what happens when this outcome is achieved. So for example, as an SEO manager, I want the website to have robust.txt file so that Google and other search, um, search engines know which pages are allowed to be crawled and um, yeah, which, edges, uh, which pages are allowed to be crawled. And then you have acceptance criteria. Uh, for example, um, the robust.txt should be found on this URL. So basically domain and slash robust.txt. The robust.txt file should um, return a 200 HTTP status code, which means mm -hmm. that Google can actually see it. Um, it uh, the robust.txt file should, um, for example, allow all pages. So put this uh, this line of the robust.txt. It should link to the XML sitemap. Um, so these kind of things, because, and then you can check against acceptance criteria if this has been implemented correctly. Because again, if you say, I want robust.txt to exist. Okay, and then the developers, like, where should it exist? How does it, how does it look like? And then somebody who, who is testing, or it might be you, um, Okay, if somebody is testing who is not SEO, because SEO will know this. Uh, if somebody is testing who is not SEO, they're like, okay, the developer said that they implemented this, but how can I check if they did? And that's exactly what lies in the acceptance criteria because everybody is on the same page. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense because I think if we're all honest, um, SEOs always end up fighting with developers and it tends yeah. to be 
because a developer doesn't understand the SEO, why we need this. So it sounds like a great option um, to, to to get the, the two sides working together. Um, so yeah, sounds like a good plan. I've never heard of that before, but I've had a lot of fights with developers over the time because I know what I want and sometimes I just don't have the technical ability to mm-hmm. make it happen on their end. So that's where there's always... Yeah, you know, a bit of a conflict and uh, stuff, but yeah, it sounds good. But it would be fair to say, Christina, from our conversation, that you're probably more on the geeky technical side of that type of thing, which is great. Um, however, I want to just ask you before we wrap up, what type of tools does someone like you use on a daily basis? What are you currently using to? analyze these things on a website you know obviously we all know that you can do same rush for keyword research blah 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 but what does someone like you who is technical on a technical website use are you still using those same tools or is it slightly different for e-commerce websites so let me know what kind of tools that you're allowed to share that you want to share that you're using to analyze all of it yeah, I'm going to use the tools that you've never heard about, completely new tools. So Google Mobile Friendly Test, for example. <laughs> yeah, uh, so that the tools tag is actually is actually going to be basically the same. Um, uh, I use um, Google, as I said, Google Mobile, Fr- Mobile Friendly Test. That was not a joke uh, because it's um, it's really cool because it shows you that real HTML, uh, rendered HTML that Google sees. Uh, I'm going to go deep into this, but yeah, this is a really cool tool to use. Uh, Google Search Console, for sure. Uh, Google Analytics, yes. And in terms of third-party tools, I use Ahrefs, I use SEMrush, I use Screaming Frog um, and Sidebulb. Sometimes I use one, sometimes I use the other. Yeah, yeah. So. As you can see, that tax tag is is basically the same, um, and I also use um, uh, a lot of uh, Chrome extensions. And for example, View Rendered HTML is one of the Chrome extensions that I use because, um, as you might know, uh, I'm not sure the people who watch us. There is a difference between the source code that you see when you check the source code of the page and rounded HTML because um, rounded HTML is when JavaScript and CSS executed and JavaScript might change the content. So if you see one title tag and canonical tag in the source code, it, it actually can be different when the JavaScript is executed, right? So um, that's why I, I like this tool. It shows me the difference between the source code and rounded HTML and I can spot some issues and another tool which is not which is not technical but gives me a, a really fast overview of where the page stands in terms of on-page SEO uh, is SEO Pro extension which is created by truly yours um, and uh, yeah it shows the title tag uh, canonical tag meta robot so it's, it can it can be easy to spot if there are any issues in this uh, in these type of things yeah. 
Interesting. No, so one final thing I want to ask you, and then I'll let you carry on with the rest of your day. Um, so as an SEO, I regularly do site audits. I don't particularly work on large e-commerce websites. But when I do a site audit, the most common mistakes are, you know, duplicate meta descriptions, 404 errors, broken internal links, the usual garbage. What are the most common things you see on an e-commerce store technically what you know where are these stores going wrong that if someone's mm -hmm. just watching just now that you could pretty much bet that they've not done so one or two things that you see all mm -hmm. the time when you do your okay. audits on an e-com store yeah so i'll tell you about two things and the first one is not technical but it's the easier the easiest fix uh thing to fix so i say this is a very um quick win the biggest issue that I see with online stores is title tags. <laughs> da -da -da -da. Because they don't think they don't think about particular things that they are selling, they think in general. So for example, if they sell um I don't know, notebooks, uh yeah. you will have just notebooks. But then okay, so how can you how can you describe them better are these uh black notebooks do they have color or do you provide your services or not, not your services do you ship in only particular um particular area maybe you are only in toronto or maybe you're only in london right so be as specific as possible because when you look at the title text that's exactly what you're trying to compete with and if you say just notebooks, it means that you're competing with all the stores that sell notebooks no matter where they are located. And as you might guess, it's a very tough competition. And you might not always want to win there because you might end up with people who are not really qualified, who are not your, really your customers and are outside of your shipping zone. So this is the first Thing which I look at and it tells me a lot how people structure their title tags. You can start with implementing templated title tags. It works really well. And then you can go deeper and customize them based on keyword research and with specific things that you can implement on particular um, categories, for example. And the second thing is duplicate content. When you have, for example, um, when you have a subcategory belonging to multiple categories and it has the same products everything is the same but it has just different urls or when a product belongs to to two or more categories and there is a category indication in url so that you end up with two or three urls for the same product this is the second thing that i see a lot and uh it's it's already a technical kind of a technical issue and it's harder to tackle but it needs to be tackled but as I said, the first thing that you you need to do if you see that your title tags are off, start with the title tags. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how many people are not doing the basics right. Um, yeah. Um, as I say, I don't do audits to, you know, on. I mean, I can, of course, I can um, with e-commerce websites, but in general, I don't really do client work anymore so I, I've not done e-commerce in a while but um yeah it's it's frightening how many people don't do the basics right or as you say um you know have the the duplicate URLs 
you know, product variations where they've got, you know, a pair of black shoes and a size 7, 8, 9, 10, and all those sales mm-hmm. parameters have been indexed. All these basic things are, um, they need to be yeah. dealt with. <laughs> as yeah, exactly. But obviously, e-commerce, SEO is a massive subject, and you could talk for hours and hours and hours about the problems and the fixes and everything else, which we don't have today. Uh, but check out Christina's book, which you can find on her Twitter bio as our chick, as our chick, yeah. Um, so as our chick, and also check out where was the course again? SEOChallenge.co. Yes, SEOChallenge.co, and uh, if you click on the SEO Challenge in the main navigation, you'll see uh, the page and the wait list is there. Get on the waiting list, guys. But um, a big thank you, Christina, for finally getting on here. Um, hopefully, um, people will take some good tips from what you've said. But, guys, there is a lot more under the technical hood of e-commerce SEO. She could probably go on for hours and hours and hours being really geeky. Um, so if you do want to reach out to Christina, check out the the book, the course, or check her out on Twitter and you'll be able to get a hold of her and, and if you need consultancy or whatever, give her a shout. Um, I'm sure she will be very glad to, to help if she has the time available. But any last messages for the audience, Christina, before we go? Yeah, just... Um... Um, I I don't even know what exactly what exactly to say here, but thank you so much for watching this. Mm-hmm. And if you are in a situation like <laughs> this rings true to me, if you are in a situation where you are so tired of lockdown and everything, we are in different parts of the of the country of the world, right? Just hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, we're getting near the end of that stuff soon. Hopefully in the UK we yeah. are anyway. Um, but yeah, everyone else, keep holding out. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can all meet and have a beer at some point at an SEO conference in the near future. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you very much for joining us today, Christina. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Cheers. <laughs>